Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Galaxy CD's Rocks and Flips. This is our weekly recap for the week ending November 23rd, 2019. It was a bit of an odd week this week. The sales volume was actually pretty good. The dollars, not so much. Um, and something that we've we've read about in the past from other eBay sellers, um, kind of the unevenness of eBay sales, which, as I mentioned in a couple of my previous podcasts, I'm my background is all in big retail, and there are certain ebbs and flows in retail, uh, but it was a really unusual. Normally, I sell anywhere from eight to fifteen items a day, pretty consistently, and on Tuesday of this week, I literally did not sell a single item, uh, which is highly unusual. I see this, like I mentioned from time to time, mentioned by other online sellers that there are just days that seem like they completely disappear. Sales are really slow. And sometimes I go and I look at their stores and you see they only have, you know, 50, 60, 70 items. And you can chalk that up, or at least I did, to maybe just not having items that somebody wants at that particular time. When you only have a limited number of selections, obviously you're you're kind of at uh, at the mercy of the marketplace. But I've got nearly 2,000 listings in categories ranging from music to clothes to collectibles to coffee mugs, books, movies. Um, I've got a pretty wide-ranging selection. And for sales to fall off the cliff to the point where you have an entire 24-hour period where there aren't any, um, is odd. Um, and then, of course, everything came through all at once. Um, I've had this happen a couple of times, too, where things will be fairly slow, and then within the span of an hour, you'll get four, five, six orders. And you're, again, if you only have 40 or 50 listings, I can kind of understand how that might happen. Uh, but when you literally have thousands of listings, it's I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what's going on at eBay, but I feel like there has to be something there uh, that causes uh, your listings to just completely drop off the map for some reason. So uh, if anybody has any input on that, um, feel free to leave me a comment or shoot me a voice message if you're listening to this on Anchor. I'd be really curious what what your take is on it, what experience you've had, um, and if you... If you know of anything particular that might be causing uh, those kinds of swings, again, as I mentioned, my I'm used to the certain ebbs and flows. You always joke about, you know, everybody coming into the store at once, and uh, you can kind of have the same thing online. But it's highly unusual, um, in my opinion, to have that many listings and have an entire day go by with no orders. So to recap the week. Uh, I did have 67 orders, so a little bit off from last week. Um, not much, but uh, slightly down. Dollar volume, however, significantly off. Last week was something like $1,100. Uh, this week was only $850. Um, that's not going to get it done on a consistent basis. Uh, the margins were very good. Um, gross profit percentage was in the 90-odd percent. Net was almost 60. So, you know, I made a little bit of money, um, but that's... That's not going to make it on an ongoing basis. So 
in the second part of this podcast, we're going to talk about some of the recommendations that you see online uh, about how to boost your sales. And we'll talk about kind of my take on some of those. But um, to recap, some of the top sellers for the week, I had a uh, Farscape Volume 5 Red Sky at Morning graphic novel. Um, there's a whole series of these. There's, I don't know if there's eight maybe in the series. Most of them, they're 10, 12, 14 bucks. For some reason, this volume five is really, really scarce and it sold for $50. Um, so we'll definitely take that. It was part of a lot that I bought. I think I've got about 35 cents a piece in these. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty good return on investment. Um, sold a, a Ravel Snap Tight Ferrari Enzo. Um, picked this up at an estate sale. Gosh, back in the fall, it was marked I think five dollars. I got them down to three and sold it for eighteen ninety five. Um, this was a global shipping order. It's going somewhere in Europe. I don't recall exactly where. But as I mentioned in a previous podcast, this global shipping program, um, if you're not using it, man, I, you really, if you're on eBay, you need to look into this. I literally, um, the last eight days in a row, have a sale um, that is part of the global shipping program. So it's it's definitely worth doing. Sold a, a an old vintage uh, Turner 454X Crystal single sideband ham microphone. This is another item I found at an estate sale. I paid $5 for this and it sold for $23.50 plus shipping. So not a bad return there. I had a huge order, um, not by dollar volume necessarily, but by number. I listed a bunch of lots of uh, jazz CDs. I got about a quarter a piece in these. I've been lotting them up by artist in three, four, five at a time. And I had a, a customer that ordered four lots of four. So a total of 16 CDs. They only went for 17 bucks, but again, I've got a plus shipping, so I don't have anything in the shipping, but 17 bucks on an investment of like $4 total. Um, that's a, I'll take that turn. I'll take that. Uh, sold a, I mentioned, I think last week that I had bought a lot of cross stitch counted cross stitch pattern books um again this is an item i've got 13 14 cents in and sold one again through global shipping program this one was went for 17.99 plus shipping uh, i think i mentioned it in the last podcast but the shipping on that ebay collects the international shipping and charges and remits to you just the domestic shipping to get this to their warehouse in Kentucky. So the shipping that was reflected to me was like $3.75 or something like that. And I paid regular U.S. rates to get it down there. And then eBay collected and takes care of the rest. So um, if you can't tell, I'm a big fan of the global shipping program. Uh, the last one I want to talk about today... Um, for those of you in my generation, uh, you may recall 8-track tapes. I had a uh, an 8-track tape of ACDC's Back in Black. I picked it up for, I think, 50 cents at a garage sale back in the summer. Uh, it sold for $14.99 plus shipping. Again, uh, if I can turn 50 cents into 15 bucks, I'll do that all day, every day. 
And then lots of lots of just little stuff, uh, a lot of paperbacks uh, that I've got about 25 cents a piece in that went for 10.50. Um, sold an old 1930s era vintage uh, big fish and how to catch them from 1939. It was actually a, a some kind of advertising brochure from Alka Seltzer, um, but I bought it in a bulk lot of paper items. Um, if you don't watch. Uh, Don, the auction professor on YouTube, uh, he talks about paper items all the time. He does really, really well with that. So anytime I see old vintage um, recipe books or flyers or ad materials or anything like that, if I can get them, a box of them for a buck or two, uh, making my net effective cost somewhere in the pennies, I'll usually go ahead and grab them. This one, I probably have less than 10 cents in and I sold it for twelve ninety nine. From time to time, you'll be at a sale, and you'll run into somebody that just knows what they have there. I was at an estate sale over the weekend, and there were old, like, 30s-era, 40s-era recipe pamphlets. And normally, if I can get them for less than a quarter a piece, I'll go ahead and buy them. I generally like to do better than that. But she wanted $2 a piece for these things, um, which... You could still make some money on, but it's not nearly as much fun to turn two into 10 as it is to turn 25 cents into 10. So I walked away from those. When you're out sourcing, one of the key things I think is learning to A, to negotiate the price and to B, not get so caught up in wanting something that you're afraid to walk away from it. Um, if they don't make financial sense, even if it's a good item, it just doesn't make sense. You're here to make money. And this is, you know, the, it was a really cool stack of flyers, and I'm sure they would have sold, and I would have made a little money on them. But there comes a point where it may not be worth it financially if you're not making enough. I think I mentioned in a previous podcast that, you know, some people won't sell any anything that they can't make 10 bucks on or that they can't at least sell for 10 bucks. And I think... Uh, whether you're full or part-time doing this, valuing your time is important. And as we've talked about previously, you make your money at the beginning. You make your money with the purchase. You just put it in the bank with the sale. And you can't be afraid to walk away from items. And sometimes as you're walking away, they'll come running down the driveway um, to accept your offer. I had that happen over the summer. I was looking at a a pretty good sized box of classical and Christmas CDs, and again, a lot of people don't like messing with media, but I'll I'll take them if I can buy them cheap enough. But again, my my cheap enough is less than fifty cents a piece, and they wanted a buck and change uh, on average form, and I thanked them for their time. I bought the items that I had, and I started to walk away, and I'm almost to my car, and I hear the husband yelling at me. He says, we'll take that offer on the CDs. Uh, the wife says, if I don't sell them to you, I'll probably never sell them. So sometimes it pays to walk away and you'll get your price. Uh, but it's all about, uh, not to quote our beloved president, uh, it's all about the art of the deal. And you have to be willing to walk away sometimes to get the deal that you want. We're going to take a quick break here for a message from our sponsor. Um, and then we'll be back to talk about um, my take on the advice that you regularly see on how to increase your sales. 
Welcome back. So let's talk a little bit about how the advice that you see, generally speaking, online about increasing your sales is list, list, list. That's pretty much everybody's answer to someone who says, gosh, my sales are low. List, list, list. And while in the broad general sense, I would say that is correct, the the notion that you should just list things with no strategy, uh, no thought, no, um, no plan, I think is a mistake. Uh, it does, I think I made the comment on a, a Facebook post that listing a thousand items that nobody wants is not the answer. You need to be, your listing starts with your buying of items as you're outsourcing. So if you're not thinking about how you're going to list an item and what an item can sell for and what the turn rate of that type of merchandise is when you're out buying, you're already behind the eight ball and listing, listing, listing is not going to solve your problem if you haven't done the work right clear at the beginning. So buying a bunch of merchandise or buying an individual expensive item, um, buying anything, frankly, that you don't have some sort of plan on how you're going to sell and how you're going to make money from is going to put you in at a disadvantage right from the start. So that being said, listing is important. Um, uh, we may have talked about in a previous podcast, sourcing is certainly the fun part, going out and hitting the yard sale and the estate sale and the thrift store and wherever it is that you you like to source, that's fun. Um, I'm not a big fan of going through the bins at Goodwill, but some people really dig that. Um, it's not my thing. I'm probably missing some opportunities there, but it's just not. That's not fun for me. So, um, but whatever whatever your your resource is, thinking again about how you're going to list and sell that item while you're sourcing is important. That's the fun part. The, the research, the more in-depth research and the listing, that's, I don't want to call it drudgery, but it's certainly not as much fun as sourcing. Um, but it is vitally important to your sales. You have to have the right price. Pricing Pricing is a bit of a tough one because you have a couple of different options. You can research solds and try to sell it for what the average sold price is. But if the current listing marketplace has 10, 15, 20 items that are significantly below yours in price, that's going to leave you sitting on that item for a while. So you will need to make a decision about whether you want to hold on to that item to make your money or whether you want to mark that thing down or just price it right out of the gate competitively with what the listing um, climate is. That's a decision you have to make. Um, and I go back and forth. There are some items that I think if there's not a ton, especially out there, if there's two or three that are cheaper than me and I put a little more time in my listing, uh, put a few more details in, take a few better photos. I'm willing to ask a little more. Um, if mine is in better condition, I do a lot of old vintage books. If the one I have has a spine that's in better condition and the pages are in better condition, I don't hesitate to ask for and hold out for a little more. Um, I'm not trying to hold on to it forever. If I don't get some action on it in a few months, I may take a whack at it and mark the thing down. But 
Again, just listing a bunch of items willy-nilly with no plan uh, for how you're going to make money on them or whether there's actually a market for them is not going to lead to success. And especially for small sellers who are not paying a store subscription, so you're limited to 50 or 100 free listings and you don't want to pay the 35 cents or whatever it is per additional listing, you're a little bit behind the eight ball. List, list, list is not the answer for you. Uh, What you need to do is to decide what kind of what kind of reseller you want to be, what kind of merchandise, and focus on those things. I totally get the sellers that don't want to sell things for less than 10 bucks or less than 20 bucks or that they can't make 10 or 20 bucks on, especially if you're a smaller seller, because there's no point tying up your listing for an item that you're going to make $2 on. I can do that. I'm I'm full-time. This is all I do. I don't if I sell 10 items a day that I make five bucks on, I've made a little bit of money and I'm just sitting around the house doing my listing and taking pictures anyway. So those kind of things I can do. But as a part-time seller, those kind of listings don't make sense. And list, list, list is not going to get you where you need to be. My advice to you, take it or leave it, is to come up with a strategy. Your, your listing strategy, like I said at the outset of this section, should dictate your sourcing strategy. Those things have to work hand in hand. And you need to think about as you're sourcing what kind of items you want to sell, what kind of profit you want to sell them for. And you need to do some of that research up front and determine, is this a category that makes sense? I think I used uh, on another Facebook post the example of, and Gary V has talked about this in the past, you know, vintage salt and pepper shakers. If you want to get into vintage salt and pepper shakers, you need to, before you go out to the yard sales and the estate sales and the church sales, you need to do the research on vintage salt and pepper shakers. You need to see which ones are popular, which ones bring good money, what they are, how to find them, how much of a market is for those, how often are they selling. If they're only selling one every six months, are you are you willing to tie up a listing for six months? Is there enough value in that listing and in the profitability of that item to justify maybe sitting on it for six months. But you need to become an expert in that niche so that when you go out and source, you can find the item that makes sense. And again, like I talked about in the first part of this podcast, you need to be willing to walk away. If the item doesn't look like it has enough turn or makes enough profit, don't buy it because you're just going to tie up a listing that you could be using for something more profitable. So again, the, I think the the list, list, list advice is well-intentioned, and to some extent it's accurate, but it's to, to me it is so much deeper than that. There's so much more involved, particularly for smaller sellers, that you need to really invest that time, you know, take a day, take a couple of days, whatever it is, to figure out what it is you want to do with your 50 or 100 listings and how you can make money on them and becoming an expert in that niche and watching how that niche performs uh, throughout the course of a year because obviously some items are seasonal. Some things sell better in the summer than they do in the winter and vice versa. Knowing all of that so that you can 
source, list, and profitably sell the items on your limited number of listings is vitally important. Um, and I don't, I don't mean to, you know, denigrate anybody whose advice is list, 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 because in a general sense, like I said at the beginning, they are right. Um, the more you list, the more you're likely to sell. Um, there seems to be a general consensus that regular listing activity generates um, more sales on eBay just because you get a boost in eBay's algorithms. I don't have any proof one way or the other of that, but that seems to be the general consensus. So there are some people that want to make sure that they list at least one item every day. If that's, if that's a strategy that works for you and you can source profitably to that sort of listing strategy, go for it. If you're full-time, you should probably be listing a lot more than that. I personally list based on dollar volume goals. <clears throat> I talked about this in a, um, a Facebook group recently as well. Uh, everybody's like, oh, I try to list four items a day, five items a day. The items at the end of the day don't matter because if you list five items that you're going to sell for two bucks a piece, you're not really going to make any money. As a full-timer, my goal is to list to the next $500 tier in retail price. So when I look, I get up in the morning, I make my strong cup of coffee, black, no, no sugar, no cream, go downstairs, fire up the computer, and I look at my current listing value on eBay. And let's say it's $20,125. My goal for listing for that day is to get to $20,500. If I'm at 20,925, then my goal would probably be to get to the second tier and we'll go to 21.5. But it's a dollar goal because it's the dollars that make the difference. And again, it's about profitable items, but I have a strategy when I go out sourcing so that the items that I'm buying, I'm reasonably confident I'm going to make money on. So that's kind of the, the plan that I have is it's more about the dollar value of the listings than the number of the listings. And I think that's probably important as well for small sellers. You are a little bit constrained if you're not paying for a store subscription by the number of free listings that you can get, but you still need to value the dollar value of those listings in order to make money. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe and give us a like. Uh, Feel free to leave us any comments if you're listening on your favorite podcast forum. Uh, if there's a comment method there, please do that. If you're on Anchor, you can leave me a voice message through their app. I um, appreciate you taking the time to check us out, and we'll talk to you again in a few days. Look for our midweek rant on Wednesday. I'm sure something will have ticked me off by then. Take care, everybody. Thank you.